So today, jazz guitarist, educator, and entrepreneur Brent Larstra is back to talk about revenue streams and passive income for musicians. How are you today, Brent? I am super good, David. Thank you for having me on again. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for coming back. And uh, we had such a great conversation last time. I think it only made sense to to cover some of the juicy details of learn jazz standards and even the new podcast that you're getting into, which is totally relevant to this subject of income streams and and, and revenue. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and that's really what I teach on my podcast, Passive Income Musician, is is basically how I make a living off of my jazz education website, LearnJazzStandards.com. And I, I just try to make things easy for people. I try to, you know, spell out, you know, the things that you should be doing to maybe save some of the trouble that I went through, uh, you know, to get to where I'm at in my online uh, music education business. So, uh, you know, but passive income is is really how I do it, which, you know, passive income, it has kind of a, a bad, a bad, you know, People have a bad attachment to it, I think, because mm-hmm. sometimes you've heard sleazy salesmen say, uh, you know, it's passive income is laying on the beach, uh, drinking Mai Tais and just while the you know money flows into the bank account. And that's not at all what passive income is. And for me, uh, passive income just just means, you know, making uh, not trading your time for money anymore. So like a Skype lesson, if I'm teaching a music Skype lesson to somebody, you know, I have to be there for that hour to get the transaction, right? Like I mm-hmm. physically have to be there, but something more like an online course or an ebook, you know, basically I've built this asset. I've built this piece of content that has value attached to it. And after I've actually gone through the hard work to do that, all I really need to do is continue to market it and I don't have to be there for someone to, you know, go through a module of my course. You know, I don't have to actually be present for that in order to receive the money. Hmm. I'm glad you covered that up front, but it is because it is something I was going to ask. And I'm sure it's something that's on other people's minds, too. And I would just describe passive income as the coolest feeling ever. <laughs> it, it really is the coolest feeling ever. And, and this sounds like a little bit like almost too sexy to be true, but it's, you know, literally you can make money while you're sleeping. And that's really the reality for me is I Mm -hmm. literally wake up in the morning and I check my phone and I've got notifications of sales that I've made on eBooks that I've created on courses on some other things that I have, uh, for my audience. Um, and yeah, that, that, that's the reality of it or literally being able to go on a vacation and still make some money rather than, you know, having to worry about, well, I can't leave to go on a vacation because then I'll lose the income that I have from my studio of music students. Right. But I won't be able to teach them. Well, that's that that's where things that's the benefit of passive income. That's that uh, best feeling in the world ever that you can that you, you get is if you put in all that hard work. If you're able to build a business like this, which is not easy, I'll say up front, yeah. um, but if you're able to do this, you can have that freedom that that provides for you. You know, I was a guitar teacher for over 10 years, and in 2016, I let go of a lot of my outside commitments to work completely from home, which was an incredible feeling. But like, I really wish I had some of this stuff figured out <laughs> when I was still in the midst of teaching guitar. And the reality is, you know, some teachers love it. And some teachers find it draining. And unfortunately, I was on the side of feeling it really was draining me. And it was very hard to, you know, be teaching 30, 40, 50 students a week and engage in a whole lot of other things, even though I did, you know, I still recorded here and there and I still blogged here and there. It was just never enough to amount to like a, a business. But I think if you love teaching or you're able to keep that student load sort of reasonable, you could definitely have enough time and energy to still build this. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, yeah, some people some people love to teach. Other people don't. And, you know, there's nothing there, there's absolutely nothing wrong with teaching private lessons. And I think that everybody, every musician, every student who wants to learn how to play music of any sort should take private one on one lessons. And so there's nothing wrong with that. That's just not what I teach. I teach I, I teach passive income because, uh, again, of, of that freedom it can give you. And even for those listening who maybe you, you teach students, you know, private lessons or you do something similar in the music world, you know, you can also do stuff like this to make a side income as well. Right. I mean, yeah. you can supplement your income, you know, maybe a side hustle in order to supplement what you're doing right there. And maybe even relieve if you're if you have way too many students, you're overpacked, you're stressed. You know, something like this uh, could be something to work forward, to work towards and, you know, build that side supplemental income. What's interesting is like, I actually love teaching and coaching, but I think it was just something about having to pay attention to one person and meticulously go through how their fingers should be positioned and all that. That was starting to like, <laughs> I don't know. It, oh yeah. It, it yeah. just sucked the life out of me. So yeah. Uh, yeah, like yeah, the teaching. There's some people that are really great at teaching kids, and I have a friend like that. I I never was very uh, good at that. And then <laughs> there's also like this thing with teaching adults, like because I've taught I taught both in my career, and um, adults are, I guess they're they're a little bit more. They, they complain a little bit more about, you know, oh, like if they're just starting out, like I can't do this. It's like, well, you can do it. It's just that you're telling yourself you can't do it. Or yeah. or even I've had I had I used to teach some adults that would even like question me. Are you sure this is the right thing that you should oh be God. doing? And, and I'd be like, ah, I, you know, I, I'm a professional. I'm sh- absolutely positive of it. So you don't get that with kids. But then again, you don't get like a kid you know, screaming and running around the classroom, swinging their guitar over their head either. So, mm-hmm. um, true story, but <laughs> I know, that's private lessons. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. I've experienced all that. I've been stabbed with a pen before. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's awesome. And, uh, so yeah, I've had a chance to listen to your podcast, passive income musician. I've listened to a few episodes and of course it's still new and, one of the things I think it nails home is that as a musician, really internet marketing is a key component to setting yourself up for long-term success. And yet, unless they're already tech savvy, many musicians leave school without knowing the first thing about how to establish an online presence. And that's one of the reasons I do what I do. But isn't it funny that schools tend to leave such a huge gap in the lives of musicians? Yeah, it, it's not even it's not even about that. It's it's really, you know, for me, when I was going to college for music, it was interesting because I felt like my experience just to sum it up was, hey, here's how to play music. And now good luck. Um, where we're really if you think about college, college is supposed to set you up for making a career out of something. Right. Like mm-hmm. so uh, for me personally, I, I didn't really ever get uh, information about even, you know, how to go out there and how I'm going to make a living as a musician. You know, how am I going to market myself? I didn't even learn any business skills at all. Um, I feel like if I were to start a college program, you know, 50 percent of it would be business and marketing, because I think that's what musicians really need. Yeah, exactly. And that's the part that tends to go missing in in a musician's career. Like, yeah, once you're done school or you're done learning how to play your instrument or composition or theory or sight reading or whatever, now it's like you're on your own. <laughs> you figure out yeah. the rest. Yeah, it's like, ah, oh, now, now now what do I do? I know that that always confounded me, but I mean, you know, I, I guess I I guess I figured out for myself and it's always interesting to look at other musicians and how how they figured out their own pathways um, yes. and how some haven't and they failed and they now do something completely different. Yeah, 
totally agree. Another thing I love about your podcast is the fact that you focus on what I would consider to be one of the most difficult markets, which is beginners. I tend to work with people whose, you know, figurative car is already in motion because as a coach, you, mm-hmm. you can't steer a parked car. But I have no doubt that if people use the information you provide as a foundation, that they would absolutely create more income streams for themselves. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's really... beginners are really a passion of mine because, Hmm. uh, you know, for me, for me, this was such a life changing thing in order to go from, you know, struggling, just barely paying the bills off of gigs and and teaching students to, you know, building this asset learn jazz standards and, you know, making a full time living off it. That's such a life changing, um, freeing thing. So when I look at other musicians that maybe, uh, you know, even some friends of mine who have inspired me to do things like this because, you know, they're interested, they want to know, well, how do you actually do this? Like, you know, and, and, when I start explaining it to them, you know, some of this stuff is like, it seems like they've never heard of it before, you know? And so I really do have a passion for helping those who are, you know, either right at the beginning or even just in the middle of their journey, um, just so they can get started. So everyone listening, why don't we define passive income and does it really exist? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Passive income, like a little bit of what I was saying before is, is, you know, income that you're, you're no longer trading your time for money on, you know, you, you do have to put work into it. You know, passive income isn't just free. You have to market it. You have to, um, you have to take action in order to make it, but you also don't have to be present to make that money at all times. You know, you don't have to, we used the example earlier of doing a Skype lesson, you know, or a mm-hmm. private lesson. You have to be there for that. Um, and there's different varying levels of, of income and how passive they actually are, um, which I, I'll definitely be talking about soon, like the different kind of income streams that I think that are available for musicians. Absolutely. I mean, that's connected to my next question. And I often hear musicians lament that it's so hard to make money in music today. And yet, there are some more income streams you can tap into than ever before. It's just that musicians seem to be stuck on live performance and albums and live performance and recorded music and live performance and recorded music. So, right. I mean, this is the basically the best we've ever had it. So what types of revenue streams are there? Yeah. Let me go over what I would consider, consider the most, uh, I mean, this, these aren't the only ones, but these are what I would say are the main ones that are available to musicians, specifically music teachers and those who want to teach music online. But you could also apply a lot of these to, uh, you know, any other revenue stream or ever, any other, uh, you know, form of, of making a living as a musician. So let me just go through them. And the list that I'm going to give, it kind of starts from um, the most passive, but the, the, the least return. And then we're going to move up from there. So the first one that I would say is advertisement. So if you have a blog, um, and you, uh, you know, are building an audience, you're getting traffic, you can start to monetize that with advertisement. And the basic starting point that a lot of people go through is Google ads. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can sign up for Google AdSense and start having Google populate ads on your blog or your website. Now, this is a way to get started. And this is certainly how I got started on my blog. But, you know, there's really a low payout and it really requires a lot of traffic in order to receive money. But it is a it is a starting point that you can do. And then something that later on I did with my blog is I did private advertisements. So essentially I was building this audience and then I started just asking people who had something uh, related to my niche, whether it was an ebook or a product or something like that that had to do with jazz in my case, and started asking them, hey, would you be interested in advertising on my website? 
So private advertisement is another thing you can do as well, which, you know, that's usually something that you agree upon a, a monthly pl- price or, or a one-time placement. Um, and that could be reoccurring or it could be one-time. So advertisement is, is a good starting point that a lot of people can use. Uh, ultimately, I don't have any ads on my blog anymore. I, I don't uh, do them because it distracts from uh, my other revenue sources, uh, which I'll talk about in a second. And, and then along those lines as well, the, the next kind of uh, revenue stream that I would say is sponsored content. So that's similar to advertisement, but usually it insinuates an ongoing relationship. So podcasters do this all the time. You know, they'll have uh, their podcast episodes sponsored by Audible or by, you know, some other business who, you know, is is looking at stats that show, you know, how many views on your YouTube video do you have? How many listens and downloads do you have on your podcast um, and, you know, they're sponsoring that content usually on an ongoing basis. And again, that's usually a price that is determined. Sometimes I, I know from YouTubers that sometimes they'll create deals where you'll get paid a certain amount just to be sponsoring a video. But then if it hits over 15,000 views, you'll get paid X amount more every single time you reach that interval. So sponsored content is another one. And uh, another revenue stream is affiliate income. So affiliate income is essentially you are selling someone else's products, not your own products, for a commission. And this is another really common one. This is uh, definitely a great passive income source if you don't have your own stuff. So the most baseline common uh, affiliate program out there is uh, Amazon. So you can become an affiliate partner with Amazon and essentially sell their products through different links that link to Amazon. And I believe it's 24 hour cookie tracking. So anything that that customer who went through your link, uh, those, uh, those purchases will be attributed to you and you'll get a certain commission uh, of those. Now, like with Google advertising, it's easy, but there's a low payout and that's similar to with Amazon. It's easy to do it but there's a lower payout for that. So I would consider those, you know, Amazon is sort of like the Google ads of advertising. So easy, but, but not a big payout there. But you can also, you know, do other products. There's lots of other products out there that do uh, affiliate programs. You know, one that I think of off the top of my head that has to do with musicians is Transcribe. It's a slowdowner software and they have an affiliate program that I think you make a 30% commission or something to that effect every single time you uh, sell that. Uh, product. So that's affiliate. And, you know, that's really something that you should do. If, if you actually use a product, that's a good opportunity to say, hey, I use this product. I get benefit out of it. I can sell this to my audience. Right. Mm-hmm. But again, you have to have an audience to do any of this stuff. And you have to be building your audience in order for people to actually end up buying them and have people to actually market to. Are, are, am I, are you tracking with me so far, David? Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. So moving on to the next revenue source, which is really where I make the bulk of my income, and that is ebooks and online courses. So if you are an expert in your musical niche, in my case, it's jazz, you can make ebooks about that, whatever topic that might be of interest to your audience. So for me, I have a book that I came out with this year, for example, called the Jazz Standards Playbook. A lot of people that come to my website, they're interested in learning how to play jazz repertoire, how they can start improvising as a jazz musician. So this book is made especially for those who are interested in that. And so I made an ebook. It sold really well. I've also created a companion course for that ebook for those who want to upgrade their experience, who want to, you know, have extra resources, who want to have a community. And so that's where online courses comes in. I also have another course called 30 Steps to Better Jazz Playing, which is my 
my uh, my flagship jazz practicing course, and it's a similar idea, a little bit of a higher uh, ticket item there. But that's ebooks and e-courses, and this is the one that I always suggest, especially for those who are teaching music, uh, because. Once you establish your authority and once you build your audience, you serve them up with a lot of free content, they start to know, like, and trust you. And so they're going to be so much more likely to buy your products that you're actually teaching them and, you know, upgrading their experience through these kinds of products. So ebooks and courses is one. And the last one that I really want to touch on is membership sites. Um, And membership sites are essentially... Uh, reoccurring monthly revenue. You have a fee that you charge. Maybe it's $35 a month. And usually this comes in the shape of an ongoing course where you have a library of content and you add more content every single month to keep your subscribers to reduce churn rate. So that's kind of the basic membership model. But of course, there's many different ways uh, that you can shape your membership model site. Um, that's not one that I spend a lot of time on, but I have a lot of friends that do. And that's a really common one for musicians to use is membership sites. And then outside of that, like just a bonus one would be, you know, licensing your music. That's not really something I am a pro at or have expertise in, but there are a lot of other options out there. These are just the main ones that I would consider great mm-hmm. passive income revenue streams for musicians. Awesome. Yeah, that's a really great overview. I think if you missed any of that, go back a few minutes and listen to that whole <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah, that again. was that was a that was a lot of talking, but you know, Take notes, I guess. <laughs> I mean, you just got you got an entire business plan handed to you on a plate. You know, those are the ones to to pursue. And I think you alluded to the fact that they, you know, they'll pay out at different levels generally because the most profitable for you have been eBooks and e-courses. But something like advertising or affiliate marketing, a little bit of you know trickle of income comes in here and there, but it's definitely not a lot of when you're first getting started. I mean, some of these guys online are, we know are making a lot of money because they put up their income reports every month telling us how they're making their money. But mm-hmm. but yeah, I think it, one of those is going to work better than all the others for you in, in all likelihood. Yeah. And and that's where strategy comes in. So like I had mentioned is I used to have ads on my website. I don't anymore um, because, you know, I want to focus on drawing people's attention to my ebooks and my courses. So even on my podcast, I know that I could do uh, I could do sponsors, get sponsors for my podcast. I choose not to because I prefer just to focus on promoting my ebooks and my courses. And that's a strategy. You know, and there's other there's many other strategies. There's some people that literally make their entire living off of Amazon Associates program and making money off of that affiliate program. And that's a strategy, right? So there's all kinds of, these are just the options that we have for us, how to actually implement these, how to combine revenue sources, how to pick which ones are best for you and your audience. That's an entire different discussion altogether. Absolutely. But the advertising sort of brought me back because it reminded me of the days when I was, I think, early days of blogging in 2007 or so, you know, putting those advertisements on my website, thinking like probably like a lot of other people, oh, if I put Google ads on my website, Google will rank my website higher. So therefore, you know, I'll get more traffic and therefore I'll make more money and stuff like that. It definitely definitely brought me back to those days. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 For, for, for those who have been doing this sort of thing for a while, I think we, most of us have been there before with the, the Google ads program and you know, some people choose to keep them. Some people like me and uh, it sounds like you too, like choose not to. So yeah, yeah exactly. I like, I've experimented with them here and there again since, since using them way back when, but it's definitely not a crucial part of my strategy anymore. 
One thing mm-hmm. I did do recently was I just launched my membership site called The Headquarters. Without, I saw that. Yeah, yes. Without knowing exactly how that's all going to pan out or work out. But I know a few people in my audience have already expressed interest in that. So I felt like that's something I've been wanting to do for quite a while, but also to cater to the people who say, you know, and I find that people come to me with a lot of different questions. It's not just the same question over and over. They always have something personalized that they're, they're working on. So those people, I think, could benefit from that personalized coaching. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And so what, just out of my own curiosity, what does your membership program look like? Right now, it's basically a Slack group. So a private Slack group people can oh, nice. join and, and I've set up a few different channels so people can come and introduce themselves and then have their questions answered. And they can also send me direct messages to have those questions personally answered as well. And I also will have monthly live training calls and so the members will have access to all those, those, the archive of, of the training calls. Oh, awesome. Now that sounds like a great program for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. No, I'm, I'm excited about it. It's definitely something I've been wanting to do for quite a while. Yeah. Yeah. The memberships, I, like I said, I do have a lot of friends that do memberships and there's, there's definitely, there's definitely a big value and typically with memberships and this is for everybody listening typically with membership sites the the real plus of membership sites is that you're able to sort of um expect a certain amount of money each month where sometimes if you're just selling individual products it can be hard to uh, always anticipate how much you're going to sell month to month so sometimes membership sites can offer a little bit more stability as far as income goes yeah absolutely I'm a big fan of recurring revenue when and where possible. I'm definitely curious to know how that you're able to get repeated sales on your e-courses and e-books. What is your strategy there? Yeah. Well, a lot of it is just content marketing, which is a lot of what I teach at uh, Passive Income Musician is mm-hmm. just, you know, every single piece of content I come out with, it's for a purpose, right? I don't just come out with a blog post uh, because I don't just become out with a podcast episode because you know I have my my three or so topics that I really try to hone in on on my website, and so all of the content I make is revolving around those topics. And there's always a product that's associated with those topics, right? So mm-hmm. a lot of his content strategy, if I make a YouTube video, I'm always going to be mentioning uh, a lead magnet. And for those who don't know what a lead magnet is, it's just like a little freebie you can give away people to in exchange for their email address. And so I'll always have like a free lead magnet or sometimes even a direct call to action to one of my products. Um, so it's a lot of just content marketing and a lot of email marketing as well, for sure. Um, and, you know, of course, it does also require that I'm continually creating more products, but the same as you would in a membership site, right? You're continuing yes. to add value to that membership site every single month in order to reduce churn rate. It's the same idea with coming out with, you know, just individual one-time products, right? So you're still having to create more ebooks or e-courses in my particular case in order to do that, you know? Yeah. The way it works is like basically every live training call I do would be a minimum viable product. You know, that could be fleshed out into something more once I'm ready to do that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Now, another question that I'm sure people are asking to get back to the topic at hand is like, how important is it to have multiple streams of income? I think it's really important. And if you look at most um, successful entrepreneurs, uh, they usually have multiple streams of income. Um, So while the main source of income that I have is 
uh, is e-courses and e-books. Uh, I do also make some Google ad revenue from my YouTube channel. So I don't have ads on my website, but since Google owns YouTube, you know, I have monetized all of my videos. So I do make a little bit of income there. It's not a lot of income, but it's income that supplements everything else. Right. And the other thing that I do is I actually, um, sell a piece of software. It's actually not an affiliate program, but I'm a dealer for uh, the software company and I sell software that has to do with my, my niche. And so that's a product that I'm not creating, but I've created some upsells to their product. And so that, that's a source of revenue that I have that doesn't require me actually creating a product. So it's definitely important to have multiple revenue sources. And like I said, if we go back to those, that list of passive income ideas that I just gave everybody, you know, you can look through those and really start to figure out, well, which ones are going to work for you? And the two questions that I always say uh, to ask when thinking about, you know, which passive income revenue sources are right for you is to first ask, what are your strengths? You know, what are your strengths that you have to offer? Like, for example, um, if you're not very good at talking, then maybe you shouldn't be doing an online course, right? Maybe you should consider an ebook. Like maybe you're not really good at that or maybe you're not very good on video or, you know, at least you need to work up to that level first. You know, there's all sorts of different considerations. So what are your strengths? And then most importantly is who is your audience and what are their pain points? Mm. That's the second question. Who is your audience? What are their pain points? And really, uh, when we were talking about my strategy, it all comes down to I know who my audience is and I know what they're struggling with. Therefore, I know that whenever I come out with a product, I know it's going to sell. Like That's I don't have huge. to question in my head, is it going to sell? Are people going to want it? I know what they, who they are and I know what their pain points are. And I'm constantly learning more about them, right? And I'm constantly listening. I'm constantly asking them, you know, what are you struggling with as a jazz musician? How can I help you? How can I do better? You know, and then I'm watching all my free content that I come out with, you know, how is that performing? You know, this one didn't perform as well. This one performed really well. And there's a trend there. So I'm always looking at those things. And then when you start looking at that, you can start saying, oh, really what my audience needs is they need this piece of software. You know, they're, they're really struggling with this particular, uh, you know, this particular thing. And this software can really help them. This is a great product to serve them. Right. So therefore, I've, 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 I've already started building this idea of what kind of affiliate programs I should do? What kind of, should I do, do ads? What should I do courses? You know, what, what stream should I use? Remember, it sh maybe it should be a membership website, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe it should be something like that where there's more of a community built in. You know, it's all these things that need to be considered when trying to figure out, you know, which ones work for you and which ones will work best. Are there any specific methods you rely on to find out more about your audience? <clears throat> yeah. So like, like I said, a few is just looking at my content and seeing what performs best. Um, it's paying attention to every email I get and just seeing and picking up trends that I have. I have a, a free Facebook community and I always ask them questions before they can get into the Facebook group. And it answers the questions are shaped very specifically to try to get to know them better, to try to see, are you a beginner, an intermediate player? Are you advanced? You know, what are your biggest struggles? How do you think I can help you? And I ask those questions every single time so that I can constantly be looking and pick up trends. You know, oh, a lot of people have a problem with this. A lot of people need this. I also do surveys to my email list, uh, building a mailing list, by the way, probably one of the most important things you can do uh, for anyone who's trying to do uh, online entrepreneurship as a musician. And 
you know, I'm, I'm sending out surveys to them, asking them specific questions that I'm going to get desired answers from. Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to learn about them constantly. So those are a few ways that I do it. Now, I don't think a six figure business is something that happens by accident. And you've shared a little bit about the journey and how long it took to get there and the stumbling blocks that were there for you. But how did you build Learn Just Standards to six figures? Was there a, a specific plan for that? There, there wasn't a plan. And, um, but what I will say is, uh, I really started figuring, like thinking about this a lot. I was doing a lot of stuff and trying everything under the sun, right? Because I read it in some book, I've heard it in some podcast. So just trying everything and to a certain degree, you need to do that. You need to experiment, try different things with your marketing, try different products that you're not sure will work or not. But at the end of the day, it, it just kind of comes down to, do what is actually working, you know, and for me that was ebooks and courses like that was what was working for me and certain content I was creating. Mm -hmm. That was what was working for me. Um, I noticed that people were really connected with my podcast when it came out with my podcast. People would email me and like say that they actually felt like they knew who I was because they were taking me on their walks and they were, you know, taking me to the gym with them, you know. So I started paying attention to those things. And I think that just kind of naturally happened. I don't think I had a plan. And, and again, I may have said this either in the last episode or in this episode, I, I was mentioning that, you know, money isn't, well, money is important and money is great. The main thing that I look for is, is freedom. And yeah. that's really what a business like this can give me. And so my goal was never, Oh, I want to be a six figure business. It was really just, you know, what's working and what's not working and whatever's working, let's do more of that. And I think that just kind of naturally resulted in yeah. some of the financial success that I've seen. Yeah, I love that because I had a gut feeling that a book would be one of the number one performing products on my website. And when I did finally launch that book, I was proven right. <laughs> yeah. So, so I know that people are hungry for books. And actually, it's one of the ways people even discover my website is because of like book reviews and top book lists and things like that. So, you know, I like your point about doubling down on what's working. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's that's a really great point that you made. Like for you, you found that that's that's something that resonates with people. And, and it clearly, too, because like you come out with a few of them, it, clearly it's something that you're good at doing. You know what I mean? You have a passion for doing, um, which goes back to my two questions, right? What are your strengths? Mm. And then who is your audience and what are their pain points? So if the focus is always on that, I think you're bound to have some sort of success. You know what I mean? Like, I feel mm. like you're bound as long as you like have that, that motivation, that drive, as long as that you, you have your eyes on the goal, that's like way ahead, you know, you're, you're thinking for the long term. I think you have no choice, but to be somewhat successful at whatever you're doing and creating that income as a musician. I mean, it, it's possible. It's possible for everyone. And I really believe that that's why I teach what I teach. That's great. And yeah, there's no question that I love writing, so I don't mind pumping out more books. One, awesome. <laughs> one other thing that I'm curious about, and maybe you can shed some light on, you know, you've got 27,000 fans on Facebook, 4,000 mm -hmm. followers on Instagram, 92,000 subscribers on YouTube. How does one go about building a social media following like that? Well, David, you just, uh, I was trying to think of some like smart Alec remark or like, you know, <laughs> answer. I, I couldn't think of one. We were just talking about like a Neil Patel post, like before we started recording, yeah. that was like along these lines and we were laughing about it <laughs> anyways. Uh, I won't do that on the podcast. Uh, let's see. <laughs> How did I build this social media following? That is a great question. Let's go through 
let's try to dissect them one by one. Um, first of all, I'll, I'll cross off Instagram for you because that was that's not even something that my Instagram game is even happening. Uh, I should get into it, but uh, it was really something that uh, I did like you know, posting like five times a day for a while. And then eventually I burnt out on it and, you know, I couldn't keep up with it and I just stopped doing it and chose not to continue doing it. So, right. um, I can't really speak much on Instagram, Facebook, uh, you know, Facebook, it, oh, I have to be honest, like a lot of that success is probably when Facebook really favored organic reach a lot more than it does now. Right now, Facebook, especially this year, they started really cracking down more on organic reach and yeah. it's more focused on paid advertisements. So it's harder to reach people. So it was probably a lot easier for me back then when I started that Facebook page to really get more followers, right? Um, but one way to always do it is of course, ask your audience, you know, whether you're asking for a subscribe on your YouTube channel, whether you're asking for a rating or review on iTunes, you know, whatever it is, or liking you on Facebook, you have to actually ask them. So in your content, you know, don't ever underestimate the power of just asking, you know, the other day, uh, I had someone yeah. email me and, you know, say, Hey, I really love passive income musician podcast. This is a really great show. Thank you so much for this. I said, Oh, awesome. Thank you, man. Hey, would you mind leaving a rating and review? I'm trying to get that ball rolling. Sure enough, rating review popped right up, but I don't think he would have done it if I didn't ask him. Right. So it's just the power of ask. That's just like a simple kind of cheap tip, I suppose. Now my YouTube channel, um, really a lot of that success I have to attribute to just putting up free backing tracks. I made backing tracks with some software and it was just supposed to be an added resource to, um, helping people learn jazz standards. Wasn't supposed to be a big deal, but apparently it worked really well and it really scaled my YouTube channel. So we eventually came out with 200 or 226 of them or so. And that really was kind of something that boosted it up. And now I do weekly video lessons, jazz tips and advice. And for YouTube, it's, it's consistency. It's all about consistency and really for all content that you create, whether you're, you know, creating blog posts, whether you're creating podcast episodes, whether you're creating videos, it's all about being consistent. Not only will, um, the different channels that be and take notice of that and Google will take notice of that, but also your audience will, they're going to notice that, Hey, you're there for them. They're showing up all the time. You know, so if you're doing that on YouTube and every single week you're, you're serving your audience, people are going to notice that and word's going to spread and, you know, more people are going to start visiting it and more people are going to start liking it and commenting on it, you know, and each one of these these, uh, social medias and, uh, content platforms. I mean, we could talk like whole episodes on this stuff and, yes. you know, some of it is proven strategy. Others, others of it is just theory, you know, and it's, it's, and that's why I always say, make sure that you have a website, make sure you have a home base because you don't own YouTube. You don't own your Facebook page, right? Cause like Facebook, they just killed organic reach, especially this year. Right. Yeah. So if you were really putting all of your eggs in that basket of Facebook, well, now your organic reach isn't really going to work. Um, I've even been told that people like lost their businesses because of that, you know, cause they put way too much on Facebook performing for them, yes. but then Facebook changed the rules. So, um, I know that didn't quite answer the question very well, David, but <laughs> that, that was my, that was my attempt there. No, that's great. That's hugely important. And we could say, you know, if you were to joke, how did you build passive income musician? Oh, you already had a big social media following. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Standards. Well, there's some, and, and there, there is some truth that there, there is some truth to that, right? There yeah, is some totally. truth to, to having another platform to try to, uh, you know, boost that up right away. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time and your generosity. You've offered a lot of great information. Is there anything else I should have asked? Oh, no, no, not at all. I think, I think there's, oh man, I feel like we could talk for hours more, but I don't yeah. want to, 
you know, subject anyone to that kind of torture. So I, 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 I won't do it. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Well, thanks for your time, Brent. Uh, thanks so much, David. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Music in this episode was brought to you by Brian Young. Wherever you're listening to this right now, please consider leaving a five-star review and comment to help us get the word out about the podcast. Thank you.